5: Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show. Fox Sports Radio. Hope you're having a great day. The Doug Gottlieb Show is brought to you live every day. Every single day from sunny Southern California. Welcome in. Uh, You've probably heard the news of the moment, which is that Denzel Ward is now the highest paid cornerback in the league, in league history, We'll get to that. I'll give you my thoughts on that upcoming. So we got some NFL talk to come. I do want to talk uh, of, of the variety of the variety of uh, NBA playoff discussions as well. So we got a, we got an amazing amazing show for you. Welcome in. Hope you guys had a great weekend. And really, it's like one of those perfect weekends in terms of religion, right? No matter what your religion is, if you're Christian. You celebrate Easter. Happy Easter to all of my Christian brethren. If you're Jewish, you had Passover and Pesach, of course, which celebrates Exodus, right? We go the biblical sense. And of course, if you're Muslim, you celebrate Ramadan. Ramadan, Passover, Easter, all the same time. An incredible confluence of holidays, right? Like that is, that seems really Really, really rare. Seems really, really rare. Um, but I also think that what we had yesterday and what we'll have going forward in Boston especially is really, really rare and kind of awesome and I'm kind of conflicted on it. When you say, man, these playoffs are great. What do people react to? What do people react to? Um, when you say, I love the NBA playoffs. A lot of people will say, hey, y- y- you like the NBA playoffs? Well, I like college basketball better. Right? I like college basketball better. Well, that, that's great. Okay, I mean, Vegas likes College basketball, probably a little bit better in terms of the NCAA tournament. Speaking of Vegas, the show is brought to you by one of our favorite cities, Las Vegas, the greatest arena on earth. Play your trip today at visitlasvegas.com. So, um, it's really interesting to me that people want to say, I like college basketball more. And no one would dispute that the players in the NBA are far better, right? And I think what happens is we look at the malaise of the middle of the NBA season. We know that NBA players have either load managed or been just curiously absent for many a game in the regular season. And we use that as our guide to what the playoffs must be like and how college basketball is better. The, the truth is, and remember, you're you're listening to a guy who didn't play in the NBA, okay? A guy who played in the NCAA tournament three times, have covered it for 20 years, five years for CBS, now for Westwood One. So I'm there. I've been there. You know what the the, the craziest thing is? What people like about college basketball more than the NBA is the energy and the excitement and the fans and the students and the bands. And you know what's crazy? NBA playoffs are actually far better than the NCAA tournament for that. We actually, people combine the regular season college basketball or the big event college basketball, with the NCAA tournament. The tournament's great because of the bracket, and because of the one-and-done, and because of the Cinderella, and because of the Final Four. But all of those, environment-wise, they're not as good as the Boston Celtics. Last Yesterday, hosting the Brooklyn Nets. Now, regular season NBA to regular season... Uh, you, you pick the great atmosphere, right? University of Arizona, Kansas... Gonzaga, uh, Michigan State, Michigan, Illinois, Kentucky, uh, you know, like go throughout like Duke, sometimes Carolina, like those environments are better. We love the energy. There's actually not great energy in most NCAA tournament buildings. (laughs) That's the crazy part about it. But that energy yesterday was tense. That energy yesterday was uh, kind of ugly, kind of nasty, kind of like a snake pit. You, you you talk about a confluence of things, Ramadan, Easter, Passover, and you think of Celtics, Boston, and a New York team. Granted, it's not the Knicks and Celtics. That would be iconic. Okay, It's the Nets, the other team. But you still have Kyrie, of course, not only is Roundly hated by many places in the NBA, but especially in Boston where he came, he saw, he said he wanted to stay, he left, the team was better before him and after him. And during his time in the playoffs, by most people's estimation, underachieved, then he smooshed the leprechaun on the way out of town and made it out like it was everybody in Boston's fault. This is Kyrie Irving, the flat earther. This is Kyrie Irving, the anti-vaxxer. This is Kyrie Irving, I know more than everybody else. Kyrie Irving is a great basketball player. He is a polarizing figure in terms of his general everyday thought process. Of course, Kyrie Irving, even with his own club, famously said, I don't need a head coach. (laughs) Excuse me? So Kyrie and how he's handled the fans. Here's Kyrie on the fan interaction during the game. Do you feel like the
6: hostility that you get still? Let's not, let's not focus on this. Like, ask me questions about the game. Like, well, it's a, not about
7: the fans. The no, fans aren't from a, playing. From a basketball standpoint, yeah. do you feel like the hostility you get? Well, there's no hostility, bro. It's basketball. Well, you were flicking some people off. I'd say that's some hostility. From what? What, what point? Are you guessing that that's hostility? or like well, Hostility, for me, is like growing people. up. Well, we've never seen that from you this season, where you are running down the floor flicking people off. This is the first time you actually caught it,
6: because it's a big time game. I respond in different ways. You know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to focus on that. If you want to ask me questions about the fans, go ask them. Go on the street and ask them questions. All right?
7: But I'm asking from your perspective, from a basketball perspective, do you feel like the hostility that you get? It's not hostility, fans, bro. Do you feel like the energy you get from fans in this building brings Embrace out it. the best fr- from you?
6: Embrace it. Embrace it. It's the dark side. Embrace it. You know, it's nothing new when I come into this building and what it's going to be like, but it's the same energy they have for me, and I'm going to have the same energy for them. And it's not every fan. I don't want to attack every fan, every Boston fan, but, um, you know, when people start yelling, and all this stuff is but so much you can take uh, as a competitor. And um, you know we're the ones expected to be docile and be humble and take a humble approach. Not nah, f- that's the playoffs. This is what it is. You know I, I've I know what to expect in here, and it's the same energy I'm giving back to them.
5: This is Shaq and Barkley after the game.
6: Well, if the great Bill Russell went through it, I wanted to go through
0: it also. I don't I don't really want to hear all that. And you know certain certain cities they don't care what you said at the press conference. You know it's going to happen in game two. They're going to be talking more smack up there in Boston. i played in Boston two years, but listen, it happens to the best of us. You don't think people said stuff to Charles Barker, said <laughs> stuff to, to Akeem Olajaro uh, yeah, myself. Come on, man. Please know. stop, man. Yeah, Chuck yeah, got yeah, it from yeah, his uh, home fans. Hey, and most, man. of the fans <laughs> are amazing. Yeah, Someone's going to say some rude stuff.
5: Please man stop up. at you after least today whining like if little. Bill Russell went through it already. Come, come on, man. <laughs> come on, man. Yeah, man up. Look, I, I, I think this is really important, okay? It's really important. Fans that hurl the type of curse words and, and insightful, I mean, in, in, uh, not insightful, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, when you uh, incendiary sort of language, like you're gross. You're gross. Booing, cool. You suck, fine. Okay. The, the, but the, the curse words, like, what are we doing? On the other hand, it's Boston. And I think some in Boston, like Philly, like New York, think there's a reputation to uphold to be the biggest D-bag you can possibly be. And there is something of a Roman Coliseum sort of feel to it, right? You even have kind of—have you noticed this? I can only think of two places in the NBA that still have the organ playing during possessions. Dun, 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 dun. I think it's the Knicks— and uh, and the Celtics, right? Like it's a, it's an ode to an older day, to an older time. I mean, the hell they still had the parquet floor, which has been played on forever. It's just it's iconic, and and I think some Bostonians think that being an a hole in the fa- in the stands is iconic, but there's only one way to win if you're Kyrie Irving. There's only one way. The only one way, because we know that. While you and I, I would guess, are sane human beings, it won't trigger us to be even more reactive, to be even more nasty. All it takes is 10, 20, 50 dudes in, you know, middle-aged dudes, 30-year-old dudes, smitties, white hats, cocked just a little bit to the right, tall, couple tall beers after pounding some beers before walking into the garden, and they let them have it. Look, the only thing that matters is if you win and if you lose, right? The Given the double bird, like, what are we doing? You're allowing them to know that you hear them. Whereas the best of the best, they might say something under their breath. They might say something to somebody courtside, but the win is on the scoreboard, right? And the fact remains that Kyrie Irving was the defender on the pat the last two layups, layups that the Celtics won with. And Kyrie Irving had the basketball for, um, I would say, 15 of the 24 seconds in the last offensive possession for the Brooklyn Nets. Kyrie Irving blew it. Blew it. It's not only his fault, right? Like the rest of the team got spread out defensively after a timeout and they gave up a layup in four seconds where there's 38 seconds to go when the Nets got the ball back. The Nets clearly didn't have a plan and were surprised when Al Horford just ran and double teamed him. And he didn't have a ton of passing options. Could have called a timeout. They could have reset. A million things could happen, but it was an awful possession. Kevin Durant was watching the basketball. Marcus Smart with a great shot fake. An unbelievable cut by Jason Tatum. And then he caught and spun and finished. And Kyrie, who was also ball watching, missed a steal by, I don't know, a matter of inches. This is not, he was solely to blame for losing the game. But what are you doing? telling people to, you know, if you haven't seen the video of what he said walking the locker room when somebody's yelling insults at him, if you haven't seen the double birds, just feel free to peruse the internet. It's there and it's live for you. And, and I get, I don't want to declaw him. I don't think he, I love the idea of using that energy to, 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 to push you through. They're nothing like it. Like, they're nothing like winning a road game. But they didn't win. And he was on defense, and the guy they scored layups on the last two possessions, and he had the ball, and they got double-teamed, and he over-dribbled, and he dribbled himself into where he had, was, was stuck, and he threw it out to KD, who had no time, and just caught and chucked up a shot. Instead of worrying about the double birds, instead of worrying about what the fans, how about... Oh, they might double-team me. Where am I going with the ball? How many timeouts do I have? How can I, how can I do this? Do I know that it distracted him? I have no idea. But the only win is not in the double birds. The only win is not in saying somebody to perform an act on you. The only win is to win. And Kyrie lost yesterday. I don't know, like, I'm, I'm, I believe this is a huge, huge universal topic, and there probably is no wrong answer, right? Do you sit, like, because he's like, do I sit there and do I take it? Do I sit there and I take it? Do I lash back out the way that he did? My answer is somewhere in between. You know, just a little scoreboard point. At some point in the game, and when the game is over and you win. And then you can stand there like a gladiator in the middle of the Coliseum, like Russell Crowe. In the meantime, Kyrie just feels like a guy who thinks that he wants all of this heat and criticism, and that's where he believes he generates his energy, and that's where he believes he can take a piece of the dark side and that can help him push through it and help him win the game. But one game in, didn't work. If you're a valued customer, you deserve a simple gesture of appreciation from your credit card company. That's why Discover uh, uh, matches all the cash back you've earned at the end of your first year. Discover Exceptionally Common Sense. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations apply. It was a great atmosphere, man. I mean, it was awesome. What a great basketball game. And I thought the Nets were going to win it. I did. But, I mean, you have so many factors in there, right? I mean Ime Yudoka, who made some great adjustments and they just found a way to win the game. He doesn't call a timeout when they get the last rebound and they go down and score. Ime was an assistant with the Brooklyn Nets last year. Like that even, just it's I it's I had an amazing time watching NBA basketball and people are in denial of it because of other parts of the NBA they may not like. Just watch the games. They were fantastic. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at FoxSportsRadio.com
1: and within the iHeartRadio app.
2: This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next.
1: Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.
3: When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do
5: Doug Gottlieb show Fox Sports Radio <laughs> uh, all right, so look, I, I think the big thing coming out of the Celtics nets series, which uh, you know the Celtics I don't want to say they I mean not nets I don't want to say they had the game one, but they were in good they were in good shape, right up three with 40 some odd seconds to go. Celtics call a timeout, get the ball in, immediately lay the ball in right over Kyrie Irving. He comes down, or actually KD comes down, throws it to Kyrie Irving, who gets double teamed, kind of surprised double teamed, gets a little bit caught up in traffic, throws it out to KD, who's got no time, and just chucks up a shot. And then, after passing the ball around with no timeout, uh, Jason Tatum cuts and Marcus Smart shot fakes, and two guys go flying by. He hits Jason Tatum, who lays the ball in. It was an unbelievable game. But I think that the big takeaway from the game is, man, Kyrie Irving, it's one thing to hear the fans talking to you. It's another thing to talk back to the fans. But there's video of him saying something to a guy who look, clearly talking trash to him as he's locked in the locker room. And there's, of course, the video of him giving the double bird. And I understand the idea of keeping the same energy of using the negativity to fuel you. But when you talk about it, or when you talk back to, the, to them, what ends up happening? It fuels them even more. Which, it may end up in a win, and it may have no effect on the game, but we're, we're, we're creeping up on, it, it could be ugly. It could be ugly. And I don't think it's what affected his play on those last three possessions, which he gave up two buckets, layups right over him. Right over him. So, um, I, I, I don't think that's the case. But the only way to win in a back and forth with fans is to win the game. Like, what is the win in giving fans the bird? What is... How is that possible? Like, I'm not one of these, well, what about the kids? On the other hand, like, dude, you hit a three, you give somebody a finger running down the court, like... I, and I just, you know, I've done that before. I actually have hit a three before, and I have when I was with a, tra- a tour team, and I kind of covered it up with the other hands and gave somebody the, a finger that was, that was that was heckling me. But this is like retweeting some no-name dude on Twitter who's coming at you. When you do that, you only empower more people to do the same under your skin or think they're getting under your skin. Here's Kyrie on his interaction with the fans. Do you feel like the
7: hostility that you get
6: still... Let's not let's not focus on this. Like, ask me questions about the game. Like, for, it's not about the fans. The no, fans aren't a, playing. From
7: a basketball standpoint, yeah. do you feel like the hostility you get... There's you- no hostility, bro. It's basketball. Well, you were flicking some people off. I'd say that's some hostility. From what? what are you are, guessing we, that that's hostility? or like well, Hostility, for me, it, is for it, like it, growing up. Well, we've never seen that from you this season, where you are... Running down the floor, flicking people off. This is the first time you actually caught it because it's a big-time game. I respond
6: in different ways. You know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to focus on that. If you want to ask me questions about the fans, go ask them. Go on the street and ask them questions. All right?
7: But I'm asking from your perspective, from a basketball perspective, do you feel like the hostility that you get... It's not, fans, not hostility, bro. Do you feel like the energy you get from fans in this building brings out the it. best from you? Embrace it
6: embrace it it's the dark side embrace it you know it's nothing new when I come into this building what it's going to be like but it's the same energy they have for me and I'm gonna have the same energy for them and it's not every fan I don't want to attack every fan every Boston fan but um you know when people start yelling and all this stuff it's but so much you can take as a competitor and um you know we're the ones expected to be docile and be humble and take a humble approach. Not that's the best of playoffs this is what it is you know I, i've i know what to expect in here and it's the same energy i'm giving back to them
5: i i don't think people expect to be docile I, I and by the way i don't think people you know athletes deserve that that kind of treatment i don't care if they boo you suck or whatever like but if you can't take that like put your big boy pants on and and obviously it's boston there's a little kind of ode to the days of Europe. hell they even have the still have the organ Listen to that next time they when they play tomorrow night, like listen to it, like you'd be like, Is that an organ in the background? I'm like, yep. It's like straight out of the seventies, sixties and seventies. You know? But you know, it's not hostility. Yeah, it is hostility. Yeah, it is negativity. And the idea that because you may have given somebody the finger after making a jump shot in the past, like again doesn't make it right. This is the two wrongs don't make a right. I don't want to silence Kyrie Irving. You don't want some zombie out there playing. You want to play with emotion. But you get to a point where it's like you're asking for more ugliness. You're stoking the fire. And if that works for you, great. But you did you did, make the wrong decision when you got double teamed, and you did give up two layups to to lose the game, yeah, yes, John Ramos. What did you think, Doug? I mean, you're a, a keen observer of basketball, I and mean, people that watch
1: games are, are, you know, really pay attention. Did you think at some point somebody would say, that, "Hey, did you see it? like
5: maybe third week of the season, some game somewhere? Hey, did you see Kyrie just flick people off? Like he said it like he's done it m- millions of times during the season, and I don't think that would have just gone by people had Kyrie Irving been flipping people <laughs> off during the course of the season. No, it's probably happened. I mean, you know, Do you think he yeah, has flipped they, people you know, off they, in they, the course they, of the they, season? They, Huh? You think he has flipped people off during the course of the season? We just everybody just missed it. I don't know. I I, I mean, like, look, he didn't play half the games. He didn't play a bunch of games early on in the year, so I don't know. Like, I don't know. I I I don't want to. Ju- like, I don't want to. Again, if he did it earlier in the year, I don't care. It's actually more important when you do how you act now, right, as opposed to how you act previously. So how you act now, this is when people pay attention. This is when people care. This is when reputations are, are made. And, and you know, even the way in which he, he speaks to a reporter who's honestly quite respectful and asking him, he's like, I'm not asking about the fans. I'm asking about you. You know, I'm not asking about the fans. I'm asking you. I, I just, I look at it and I'm like, man, if, if that the only way to win is to win, that's it. The only way to win is to win because you're not going to win in a pissing match against a fan. You have more money. You you do something they would dream of doing. They pay you' truthfully on the real on the, on the realest level. They have no chance of ever competing with you. You are punching down if you're Kyrie Irving. That's the, there's a, a, a belief. Don't ever punch down. Punch up, but instead he's punching down and he's stoking the fire. And then he's like, "Wow, they're just you know they're over the top. They're, they are. F- those fans are a holes. But you're making it worse. And like you can make it worse, but you better win. And he didn't win. Let's get to Dan Byer. Get an update, and then we'll get to Rick Buecher. Quick question, Doug, on that final one. Do you you don't blame. Irving on the Tatum layup, do you? No, uh, but he was sleeping too. They were both sleeping, and there could have been an anticipatory, uh, right? I thought, no, Dur- I yeah, I thought it was Durant's. Like it, uh, it was I a mean, lot of I mean, chaos. Look, th- the, the Here's the here's the. They're both ball watching. Both of them are ball watching, and I mean, yeah. I'm, do you really did th- did anybody think Marcus Smart was going to pass that ball? No, no. The funny thing is, is there was a replay that Durant actually looked at the clock,
0: and that's what he lost side of Tatum because yeah. he thought, to your point, like I thought that Marcus Smart was going to shoot so when Smart doesn't shoot, Durant takes a look at the clock, then completely loses Tatum and that allows him to backdoor. It's,
5: it's a very interesting thing like, um, I, I learned this from, John McCloud my first college basketball coach and he was a long time NBA coach and I had never played with a shot clock before or one that mattered, right? Like you play in all-star games but it, it doesn't matter. So like high school we had no shot clock and aU, we had no shot clock. it just didn't exist, right? So I'd never played with a shot clock before, and we used to play um, half court segments, but and and they were brutal, and he put back then it was a thirty five second shot clock, and he put twenty six in the clock and we I would be playing with the second team. It took me a while to earn earn the starting spot with the second team and i can't tell you how many times the shot clock would go off we wouldn't get a shot and they would we'd have to run cuz i lot you know as point guard you look you remember when it's 10 on the clock you you have an automatic that you go to and i would lose track of the clock and you know there's a way in which you learn as you're playing to glance up at the clock which is above the backboard or when you're on defense it's above the other backboard right you don't look at yep. the backboard behind you and so it's just natural what's interesting about it is In many ways, what Kevin Durant was doing was the right thing. The problem is the angle there when your shoulders are turned and the ball is on the sideline. You know, the free throw line extended. If you look at the at the clock, that's when you screw yourself up because now you you know now you actually move your head. Yeah, it's just an interesting dynamic of the way in which clocks are, basketball courts are, and what you're taught as a player. And so, in many ways, like that's something you're supposed to. Do you're play, you're supposed to always glance at the clock, time, score. You know, time and time and score is a huge element to basketball. And by the way, like this, this is this another part, okay? I love the Elam ending for the TBT, but dude, you don't get the Elam ending like that. I mean, it just it doesn't shouldn't exist yeah. in real basketball. But Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. Rick Bucher joins us, Fox Sports One, uh, covering the NBA. Let's let's start with Kyrie. You heard his comments. What, no. what are your thoughts on Kyrie Irving after one game against his former team?
8: Uh, he is, as I've said before, is a tremendous soloist. Um, skill-wise, being able to handle, find his shot, shot-making, all of that, uh, he is he's a joy to watch. He's a master. Uh, when it comes to being a point guard or playing the team game, That's where you lose me a little bit. And when it comes to his interaction with the fans, I I just – Kyrie continues to tell us who he is, and then he continues to show us somebody else. If you are – if you consider yourself a player of Kyrie's magnitude and you've had all the experience that you have and you are enlightened to the level that he says that he is, dude, you don't need to be exchanging birds or anything else with the with the fans. He said, I, you know, as a competitor, he's responding, you're not competing with the fans. In fact, you're taking your focus off of the real competition, the place where the fans don't have an input or any influence, and that is on the court. And so I don't know. I honestly uh, – Doug, I feel like I am a man on the island today, and I don't want to be the the guy who just always sees I don't, I don't actually ever want to see the glasses half full or rather half empty rather than half full but i keep every i I keep seeing everybody talking about what a great game Kyrie had, and I'm thinking the numbers were phenomenal, and he shot the ball extremely well, but in the last two plays of the game. Three. Well, you go okay. You can go three, but I, I'm just thinking, dribbled out the clock and got nothing.
5: And well, that, that that's the big one. that's the big one. Like, hey, dude, yeah. you've played and won an NBA championship. You had yep. the ball in your hands. They throw a double at you, and yep. you 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 panicked. Yep, you panicked exactly. And, Exactly. And on, uh, honestly, the, the double birds actually have taken most of the focus on the fact that they got the ball in and they laid it in right over you. Then you panicked. And then yep. it wasn't – again, none of this is all his fault. But right. some of it is his fault. And, right. you know, again, like you said, if you want to tell everybody, hey, I should be on the top 75 and I'm this level of enlightenment, well, you sure didn't play like it. Yeah, it
8: didn't play like it and didn't act like it. I, I, I just – or, or even, and again, it's, I'm just taking, on, taking what he's saying at face value. Like, I don't, if you want to go at the, at the fans, if you want that to be a part of who you are and what you do, that's fine. But when you say, I'm going to look them in the eye to see if they're all about that, because usually they're not. Uh, dude, you never looked anybody in the eye. You were standing there mimicking, crying, not looking at the fans. You gave them the double bird with your back to them. Like, you like you didn't do any of the things that you said that you were going to do or that you were about. So I, I, that's where it's confusing for me. Just, Kyrie, be who you say you are. But you say one thing and you do another. And I feel like this is also – a microcosm of who he is as a player. Like, there are certain things that he does that are magnificent. They're as good as we've ever seen any player do them. But in the context of the game, they don't get the ultimate goal which you say that you're all about. So, if if you're all about winning, not just putting up that or having a great handle or finding your shot, then then play accordingly, and I just—that's not what I saw. And again, to your point, like the structure of the team, the composition, no timeout, like how are we playing? Like all of that is is a factor. But Kyrie certainly has a hand in it, and and we're not talking about that. We're talking about uh, why you know why he feels justified. <laughs> I mean, this is the other thing. Like, I don't know why Boston fans don't appreciate me as a player, you know, for what I did for them. Said the same thing in Cleveland. And it's like, dude, fans take all of this personally. They, they're not going to look at your box score and say, we love you, Kyrie. They're going to see how you act and what you say and how you view them. And they're going to – because they're human beings too. I, I just – the disconnect with Kyrie for someone who considers himself – more enlightened and intelligent than the average person is just mystifying to me.
5: Well, that's, that's the problem is I had a friend who is a couple of friends were in Boston at the time they're there. And they're like, Kyrie is, uh, smarter than athletes, normal reputations, but he's not like a genius. He's not like he, he thinks he's way smarter than he is. And that gets exposed with his, you know, his hypocritical comments. So, um, what about the series? And then you have the Ben Simmons factor. Like they're yep. going to throw him into the freeway like that? Like that? Yeah. I don't know how that that one works. But uh, that that was a game in which, you know, the Celtics played unbelievable in the first half and still couldn't separate. And somehow yep. the Nets hung around and had a three point lead late. Yep. It does yep. feel like
8: one that they'll rue that they lost. Yes. Yes. Um, it, it. I think what makes it difficult to interpret. Is it went uh, contrary to what you would expect? Like once the Nets kind of took over in the fourth quarter and established the lead, and I'm like, well, I'm going to trust KD and Kyrie' ability to get buckets in the last couple possessions over Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Mark Smart. I just am, and th- it didn't go. It didn't go to form. So now I look at it and go, well. Yeah, the Celtics got Marcus Smart shooting efficiently, playing a really smart, composed game. Uh, Tatum and Brown get theirs. Horford is is good. Like, all of these things worked for the Boston Celtics, and they only won by one and probably should have lost. And so is this an exposure of the Nets and they're not the closer team that we think they are? Or... Do the Boston Celtics need everything to go right for them to win or to beat the Nets? And my inclination is to say one, it's going, it's going, I think it's going to be a long series. And I'm more inclined to still believe in the Nets than I am in the Celtics because so many, so many different things had to go right for the Celtics to win by one in this game.
5: That, that that's that's absolutely fair. Rick Bucher joining us, uh, Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. Um, I I was I was surprised surprised at how good the Sixers were when Embiid and Harden
8: weren't killing. Were you? Yep. Yep. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah, I was. Um, now they were involved, so it wasn't like they were dominating, but I think that's almost. That is probably the better way for the Sixers to go against this Toronto Raptors team, um, is to, for, to getting, to getting, uh, contributions from, uh, a number of places. Because I think that the Raptors and Nick Nurse in particular are good at being able to frustrate a star player, to make the game challenging, to mess around with Joel Embiid. But if as a result of that, guys like Tyrese Maxey are stepping up, you don't. You don't really have a counter. They don't have a counter for that. And I, I, I guess the other part for me was, as I was watching Pascal Siakam trying to answer or try. Like I, at I, this point, I don't understand. As great as Nick is, and I've seen this in the playoffs before. Like you're playing through Pascal Siakam above the uh, above the free throw line. Ah, against. This, six, this long athletic Sixers team, he doesn't have the requisite skill to be able to manipulate the game from that place. And yet I saw it time after time. And if that's the way it's going to go, I, I, don't, I expected this to be a really competitive series. I didn't think it was an accident that Toronto won three of the four games they played in the regular season. But if this is the way they're going to approach it, uh, playing through Pascal Siakam as much as I saw, then I don't have much hope for the Raptors making this competitive series, much less winning it.
5: Stug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. That's the voice of, of Rick Buecher. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give myself a little pat in the back. Last year, yep. the Warriors lose in the second playing game, right? They, so they, they don't make mm-hmm. the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And I, I was texting back and forth with Steve Kerr, and I said, you found one, Jordan Poole and he said yes we did and he's like yeah. wait till and he said wait till he gets the role that he needs yeah when we get everybody back and that's yeah. the part that i think that not people don't understand it's like andrew wiggins i've said this long if he's your third or fourth best o- offensive option he's great yep. he's yep. just not yep. he's not the no, number 1 or number 2 op- offensive Correct. option right Correct. and jordan yep. pool like if he because Steph has been periodically out, he's been able to assume that role and they've built up his confidence, but essentially being kind of a, you know, getting to be Steph Light and at times playing against backups, like the whole thing is, is, is brilliant. That's why I picked the Warriors to come out of the West. It's only one game. Hmm. Hmm. It's only one game. What do you think the it's, Warriors after seeing them one game in the playoffs?
8: Well, I, um, I actually am, am a little bit more concerned because of what I saw because Steph and I watched him warm up on the, like they had him warming up on the sideline when the rest of the team was warming up and they were putting him through what looked like tests to see how the foot, how he was doing on the foot, how he was moving on the foot. And I thought, my goodness, like this is like, he's not ready. They're they're, they're going right up to the tip off and then beyond because he didn't start. Um, to see if he can play. And so I looked at him and I looked at Clay and then I looked at the way Steph moved during the game, the way Clay is moving. And I don't know that it's going to show itself in this series, but I'm, my concern is, or, or my question is, can they evolve? Now, Steph missed time, so being rusty is understandable, but there's a difference between being rusty and and not moving the same way you usually do. He, he was chopping his steps on those scrambles when he's working off the ball to get free. He was not moving with the same uh, sort of torque and, and dynamic. And so uh, the way he looked, the way Clay looked, I need to see whether they evolve. And then the second thing is, and this sounds so crazy, but it gets to your point. Like, if I'm Denver, do I game plan for jordan Poole, because that's the thing game one like they came into it i think that really kind of threw them sideways when steph didn't start like you game plan to stop steph and clay and draymond you don't stop you don't game plan for jordan so depending on how that series goes i, I would just be interested to see if it had evolved i would doubt that it would most coaches kind of come in and they're the, you know, your game plan to stop Jordan Poole, and then Steph Curry puts fifty on you. Everybody's going to look at you like, well, "What the hell were you thinking?" It's Steph Curry, but not being sure of where he is physically—that just intrigues me. It intrigues me how Denver's going to approach this going forward, and how teams going forward might, depending on what Steph and Clay look like uh, in subsequent games.
5: Man, that was good basketball though this weekend. It was, it was, it, w- it was fun. Uh, it was. Yeah. I I I thought the Bucks got a bad whistle. That series looks like it I agree. Be, I thought that series would be competitive. I thought Chris Paul was unbelievable last night. God, he was good. Yep. I, I don't know how he keeps doing at this age. I, I cannot I'm I'm in. I'm I'm completely all in. Buke, great stuff. Look forward to seeing you on TV. We'll talk again soon. Thanks for joining us. You got it, Doug. Rick Bucher, Fox Sports One joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. What up, Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Hope you're having a great day. The Doug Gottlieb Show broadcast from beautiful, I mean gorgeous, sunny Southern California. Welcome in. Happy uh, Easter. M- uh, happy Ramadan. And uh, Pesach, a p- Passover to you as well. Hope hope you're good. Um, th- there's there's a, a bunch to get to. Uh, we got some Colin Kaepernick sound. That'll be coming in 15 minutes. Yeah, I I know. Look, I'm I'm kind of I'm I'm with you. I'm kind of over the whole Kaepernick thing, but I understand that it is a story. So we'll, you know, we'll just we'll discuss it because he did he finally did an interview, and he talked football, and there was actually some meat to it. So I I I definitely definitely want to have that conversation. We'll do so in fifteen minutes. Speaking of football, though, okay, um. There's a bunch of stuff kind of going on here. And what happens is and, and this is you heard from Dan Byer and we talked about it last segment in terms of uh, college players transferring. And the the big issue with college players transferring is like it's basically free agency even though they're not really free agents. right <laughs> It's you, when you sign at a school for for years, People fought for, hey, these kids need four year scholarships guaranteed. That regardless of their play, they need to, they're academically eligible, right? Then they should get a four year scholarship. That was a big, and in 2014, that changed. Every major conference offered a four year scholarship. But of course, with the transfer portal, you could transfer right away without repercussion. And so there is really no, I mean, it's a, it's a contract which only protects the player, does not protect the school in any way. And I use that because people are like, well, it's just like it's just pro sports, it's just like free agency. No, no, the difference is in free agency, you've been with a team for your contract. Your contract has expired, and now you can go search out another team, right? So um, I, I use that as people misassociating two very different situations as the same thing. Okay, Terry McLaurin, who was a third round pick and has been, of course, a bargain basement sort of dude for the Washington football team through his first three years in the NFL. Do you know what he's made? Grand total? So far? I mean, this is crazy. Grand total so far Okay, he's made uh, roughly three million dollars, okay. and he's under contract this year. He hasn't even made three hundred three million. He made four hundred ninety-five thousand, six hundred eighty-one thousand, eight hundred fifty thousand. Okay, so you do the math there. That's uh, million one. It's two million. He made two million dollars in three years of playing in the NFL, and this year again per his contract. He's owed 2.79 million dollars okay so it spikes up but that's considering his production wildly underpaid but he was a third round pick he fell to the third round and he's overachieved based on his contract and that, that's that's one that's one guy. then you have uh, Debo Samuel okay so Debo Samuel has an interesting contract and some of it is the same as well where Debo Samuel's contract, because of where he was drafted, remember, uh, this is a guy that was drafted as a 36 pick overall in the second round. This is the final year of his rookie deal. He also made 495000 his first year. He made 844000 his second year. Last year, he made $1.11 and change million dollars. So he's made, you know, he's made a little bit more. And then this year, Per his contract, he's going to make $4 million. So you combine those two, who are both coming into the last year of their deal, with A.J. Brown. Like, what's A.J. Brown's contract situation? Funny. I spent some time researching, and I'll tell you. A.J. Brown, second-round pick, okay, same year, he too, limited money, Going to make $4 million this year. So they're all, Terry McLaurin's going to make the least. The other two are going to make about the same. They're all coming into the last year of their contract. And all three have locked arm in arm and said, Hey, this is Adam Schefter. Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin are all seeking new contracts and are not expected to participate in any on-field work during their Respective teams' off-season programs, and you know what? Honestly, that's fine. You show up to the meetings, you show up, and you just say, "Hey, I'm not going to do the uphill stuff." And and honestly, like, I I don't think I think there's just as much chance you get hurt in that as you do working out with your own personal trainer, your own workout guy. Like these are non-contact injuries. These are all things. They're all going to be unrestricted free agents in 2020. Now, it's important to point out that unrestricted free agency in the NFL is not actually unrestricted free agency because you can be franchise tagged for up to two more years. If you're a franchise tagged, though, that bill would spike from the four million dollars that two of them are making to in the as of right now, 20 plus million dollar range because of the top end salaries. It, look, it's very, I actually think it's very reasonable to want a new contract coming into the last year of your regular contract. But just be careful what you wish for. And you got to be careful, if you're one of those teams, on what you give them. Right? I mean, ju- just, just go look at the top contracts per position I- in the NFL. Right? Just... Just go look at the the top contracts per position in the NFL. It's not hard. There's a website. called uh, Spotrack, okay? And it's actually very, very telling to go and look at these contracts. In terms of cap hit, Kenny Galladay, Galladay, Keenan Allen, Cooper Cup, DeAndre Hopkins, and Nelson Aguilar. Those are the top paid guys coming into this season. Cooper Cup is fascinating, right? Because Cooper Cup, I mean, I'm, I think it's pretty obvious you could say best wide receiver in the league. His deal, and he was a third-round pick, okay? His deal, he ended up making nothing his first two years, 14.8 his third year at, at, in a restructured contract. And he's going to make, you know, in the $14 million range for a, a good amount of time. And it's not a gigantic money deal. You know, his first year, he made 465, he made 640, he made 811. and then they restructured his contract before his last year. He made seven, his fourth year, which would be all three of these gentlemen's fourth year, a restructured deal. And then it spiked up with his new contract to 13, 23 this coming year, 14.8, 14.6. He is actually a bargain because the Rams, Waited for the right time, gave him some money up front, but he did not take top dollar. The best wide receiver in the NFL. You could make an argument of DeAndre Hopkins, which is a huge money deal, but the guy's making roughly, you know, uh, 14 and change every year except for this year. This is kind of the one year where he's going to make a little bit more. I have no problem. These are not; these are reasonable want-a-contract-extension negotiations. And NFL teams want these guys to be under contract. What they don't want is they, they don't want to be top of the market. Do you know why? Well, that's because none of them are top-of-the-market guys. A.J. Brown's a really good player. I love him. Terry McLaurin's a really good player. I love him. Uh, Debo Samuels, just a great football player. Love him. Um, I wouldn't say that any are better than uh, Nuke, Cooper Cup, Keenan Allen, um, and Kenny Galladay, the reason he got that was he was a free agent and he left. The interesting part is that a lot of these guys, if you really, really want top of the market, you have to wait a year. Devontae Adams, it was later in his career, but the reason he got the big new contract with the Raiders and was able to force his trade was... It was after his contract had expired, he was an unrestricted free agent, and he became a franchise taggie, but then they had to trade him. This is where NFL teams right now, they'd like to extend these guys' long-term deals, cost certainty. They just don't want top of the market. And NFL players, if you want top of the market, if you want somebody to overpay, you almost always have to overpay to get somebody to leave their team. But in order to do that, you got to truly bet on yourself. It's fascinating, right, Bayer, Which of these three, or do you think all three get new deals? Well,
0: the Debo one is the, the curious because he meant so much to San Francisco. Tennessee has put so much into their offense that when you're, you know, so reliant on Derrick Henry, can you afford to pay AJ Brown? I think Terry McLaurin's the one that's most likely to get his money. Then I would say Debo Samuel, and then I would say AJ Brown in that order. Mm-hmm.
5: And I like AJ Brown. He's really important. He's he's really important to that team. Obviously, Derrick Henry seems to be most important, right? And they have other pieces there, but he's important to that team because I mean, look, they went and got Julio Jones. He's kind of washed, and they need a. He's a gigantic. Has a gigantic. Yes. Uh, Wingspan and catch radius is the word I'm looking for. The the part
0: about AJ Brown, you also have to worry about health because yep. he has battled injuries. And so is Debo? Yeah, and he there he'll have monster games, and then they'll have games where he'll have two catches for 20 yards. And I know that's a very fantasy football perspective sort of look at it. However, it is true. Sometimes he's there. Sometimes he's not. And when you look at maybe other receivers around the league, you know, like, Cooper Cup's getting his 10 targets. That is going to happen. That is going to happen for sure. I think you have to question, is it Ryan Tannehill? Is it A.J. Brown? Is it the system? All of those play into whether you want to pay A.J. Brown or not.
5: I I, I agree with all—actually, compl- this is a place where we all agree. All right. High fives but all I, around. But, but then there does come a point to which you'll get somebody who will withhold services. And I just don't know if those guys will withhold services. Like, to, to me, I, I think this is a prime time for guys to get discounts, to get bargains. If I'm an NFL GM, that's what I'm looking for. Right? I, I'd say, hey, look, I'd pay you. you know, we'll, we'll go into double digits. We'll go into the plus 10, 11, $12 million or whatever and give you – because they're all young and in their 20s or whatever, we'll give you a couple years on this deal okay, at the back end of this. Okay? But I'm not going to hit top of the market. And all for all for various reasons, mostly because the greatest example. Here's what's interesting about it: What's the biggest critique of the Green Bay Packers? That they don't no. use first-round picks for wide receivers. Sure. What do all these guys have in common?
0: Uh, they weren't first-round picks. Correct.
5: Correct. Now that doesn't mean that Green Bay is always going to be able to, you know, hit a home run with a second, third, fourth, fifth-round pick, but. It's really amazing how many of the best wide receivers in the league weren't first-round picks. It's a very, very difficult position to evaluate. And I would also say that Green Bay does a really good job of evaluating. So it's there's a lot of things which you can prove to be false based upon all of this stuff. And one of them is this idea that you have to draft for Now, look, Justin Jefferson was a first-round pick. Okay. Jamar Chase, first-round pick. Um, but Cooper Cup wasn't, Devontae Adams wasn't, Debo Samuel wasn't, Tyreek Hill wasn't, granted we know why, Stephon Diggs wasn't, Tyler Lockett I don't believe was either, right? Uh, nope. There's been plenty of other guys who were not, heck, Keenan Allen was the third round pick. Keenan Allen was pick, third round pick. Mike Williams was the first round pick, and of course was re-signed, but Keenan Allen was not. The the other problem is the you know you have the uh, you know uh, you you have guys that get that contract. I mean, look at second co- contracts in the NFL for wide receivers. Uh, what's why am I forgetting? Uh, the he's from Ohio State, Michael New Orleans Thomas? Saints. Michael Thomas. Recep- huh? Michael, Michael Thomas? Thomas. Yeah, can't guard Mike. Right? Haven't seen him last two years. Haven't seen him. You know, Amari Cooper underachieved with his new contract and he's gone. Michael Thomas, we ain't seen him since he got his new contract. That happens. It's a fragile position. Fragile position.
3: Call 800 333 4 for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10 year 100,000 mile powertrain and 5 year 60,000 mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.
0: I'm Viosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic
3: novela, which is a fancy way of saying. A a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at first first listen. listen. $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans, covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge Podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals.